Cabinet of Curiosities by James Henry. Chapter 5 I told you there was something out here, said a voice, deep and a little rough sounding, but female nonetheless. Rosa had the presence of mind to keep her eyes shut and her breathing steady. You did, a man's voice this time, clear and crisp. A nose nose, said the woman, sounding a little smug. While they were talking, Rosa had moved her right foot very slowly off the bench and onto the ground. Twining her fingers around the strap of her bag, she sprang to her feet, ran straight into the biggest, blackest dog she'd ever seen in her life, and fell sprawling to the floor. Works better if you open your eyes before you start running, said the man, mildly, squatting on his heels before Rosa. He was a little older than his voice had suggested, but not quite old enough to count as elderly. He wore patched jeans, an enormous baggy cardigan, and, Rosa, trying not to stare too hard at this point, an eye patch over his left eye, barely covering a terrible scar that ran up into a thinning silver hairline. Rosa looked for the woman, but could see no one else around, just the enormous black dog, sitting about three feet away and watching her calmly, panting a little. For all the impression Rose had made on it, she may as well have run straight into the wall. The man squatted on his heels and looked at Rosa dispassionately. I'm the professor, he said. Rosa, said Rosa. Rosa Dew. She struggled to her feet, aware of the dog shifting its weight slightly as it followed her movements. I know I'm trespassing. I'm sorry. I'll leave now, if I may. In her fall, she'd put her right hand straight into a patch of gravel. It was starting to throb now, and she clutched it tight in her other hand to try and stop the pain. Well, you're far too polite to be a burglar, said the professor, and that hand needs cleaning up. So you can climb back out of my conservatory, or clean that hand up and leave through my front door, which seems rather more dignified, but it's up to you. Rosa thought for a moment. The professor seemed trustworthy, and had kept his distance even when he thought she was asleep and she probably did need to clean herself up a bit. I'll use the front door, she said, and took a step forwards, then froze as the dog made a soft, low growl. It's all right, said the professor. That's for my benefit, not yours. Reaching out a hand, he ruffled the thick fur around the dog's ears. Tamor's very protective. I don't think she's ever been quite convinced I can take care of myself. The dog stopped growling, though its dark eyes remained fixed on Rosa's. The professor led them back through the garden to the door Rosa had seen the night before, though it was open this time. Just before they entered the dark wood panelled corridor ahead of them, something occurred to her. Where's the woman? she asked. The one I heard talking before. Excellent question, said the professor. Rosa waited for him to continue, but he just smiled at her and kept walking. She wondered if he was mocking her, or if this was some sort of trick, and stopped for a second, frowning. Then she felt the dog's nose pushing her between her shoulder blades, its breath warm against the back of her neck, and she had to half jog to catch up again. They soon came to a small, angular kitchen. The professor jerked a thumb down the corridor towards a heavy wooden door. The official exit, he said. Once I've sorted out your war wound, he pulled a tattered old stool up to the sink. You'd better get that under the tap. Rosa sat on the stool and stared around the room as the cold water gushed over her hand. The kitchen was stocked from floor to ceiling with glass jars, no two the same size, each one crammed with dried herbs, powders and other things, some of which Rosa wasn't sure belonged in the kitchen. Were those nasty-looking, spiky things dried scorpions, she wondered. Who ate scorpions? The largest jar of all sat on the middle of the kitchen table in a mass of torn brown paper, having clearly just been unwrapped. It was a third as tall as Rosa herself, 
and held three long, lumpy, black-and-white striped vegetables floating sadly in some sort of liquid. They're a kind of cucumber, explained Professor, although they taste rather revolting. Rosa frowned. I get sent things in the post occasionally, you see, the Professor continued. I collect this sort of thing. Well, they get drawn here. I forget where one ends and the other begins. Rather irresponsible, though. If this jar is smashed, well, it doesn't bear thinking about. He peered at the address labelled on the paper. I do wish senders would include their details, he said. Still, a rare find. A rare find indeed. The Professor smiled at Rosa, as if she was expected to have a clue what he was talking about. Right, she said carefully. Well, my hand's clean. To distract herself, while the Professor started picking out tiny pieces of gravel with the smallest pair of tweezers she'd ever seen, Rosa looked over at the enormous dog. It was lying down in the corner of the room, still watching her. Although its expression seemed to have shifted from aggressive caution to a simple doggy mournfulness. What did you say her name was? asked Rosa. Tamor, said the professor, not looking up from her hand. Tamor? Tamor. Emphasis on the second syllable. It's a very old name. There's always been a Tamor the dog, although she's the last, as far as we know. Oh, said Rosa, and winced as he extracted a particularly sharp bit of stone. Sorry. It really didn't hurt that much, Rosa lied, then said, has she always been able to speak? The professor froze. Hmm, he said, although he said it just a fraction too late. Tamor hadn't changed her expression a bit. There was a sudden stinging sensation in her palm, and Rosa gasped. Bit of glass, said the professor, and held out a plaster. You'd better put this on. A talking dog, you say? Rosa put the plaster on and looked the professor straight in his one eye. There was a woman, talking, when you found me this morning, she said, more calmly than she felt. And thinking about it. She sounded sort of snuffly and, well, doggy. The professor shook his head and laughed. Drugs? he asked. No, said Rosa through gritty teeth. Not drugs. Well, it seems like a very odd conclusion to draw, said the professor briskly. But I applaud your imagination. So rare in young people these days. And now I really must show you the door. I suppose it would have been an odd conclusion to draw, said Rosa, folding her arms, if I hadn't spent the night in a conservatory bigger on the inside than it is on the outside after I just had my only meal stolen by a flying monkey. The professor stared at her. From the floor, Tamor gave an enormous yawn, sneezed a couple of times, then fixed Rosa with a baleful gaze. That Gary, said the dog. Bloody monkey's more trouble than it's worth. I won't tell anyone about Gary or Tamor, you know, said Rosa suddenly. The professor made a large pot of dark, smoky-smelling tea. I just thought it was worth mentioning. The big dog snorted, but it wasn't entirely an unfriendly noise. Well, said Rosa, my hand's much better now. And thanks again for the tea, but I suppose I'd better get going. Ah, said the professor politely. Of course. And then he paused for a moment. Go where? he asked. Chapter 6 Tamor worked herself carefully out from under the table and sat at Rosa's feet, dark eyes looking up at her sadly. Rosa stroked the dog's head. Where was she going to go? She didn't know anyone, anywhere, anything really, other than her name. She tried to tell the professor something, anything, but not a sound came out of her mouth. The professor frowned. Are you all right? he asked. Are you ill? Rosa swallowed hard. I don't really know, she said. Then she told the professor and Tamor everything that had happened to her since she'd woken up on the train. Amnesia, said the professor when she'd finished. No memory of where you came from or where you were going. Rosa shook her head. Nothing. It's just gone, like 
Magic, said Samor. Or white plume moths. They can whip away a memory fast as lightning. Pointless asking if you remember seeing any, of course. Rosa stared at her. Magic? Magic moths? The professor shrugged. A blow to the head can have the same effect. Either way, I'll call the authorities. I'm sure we can get this all straightened out. We'll have your memory back in two shakes, you'll see. A telephone hung on the wall in the corner of the kitchen. The professor dialed and waited a few seconds, then smiled reassuringly at Rosa. Missing persons, please, he said. Oh, good. Yes, I've got a young lady here, and she needs to talk to a police officer if possible. Marvellous. Probably best if she explains herself. I'll put her straight on. He handed Rosa the phone. You have information about a missing person, said the voice. It was a man's voice, and sounded exactly like you'd want a police officer to sound like. Solid, maybe a bit heavy-footed, but reliable. Rosa felt better already. Yes, yeah, she said, it's me. I woke up on a train, and... I don't know where I'm from, or anything. I've got amnesia, you see, and I know it sounds stupid. Doesn't sound stupid at all, miss, said the police officer soothingly. No reports of any missing young ladies locally, but don't you worry, we'll soon have all this straightened out. Oh, good, said Rosa. Now, said the voice, do you remember your name? Yes, said Rosa, confidently. It's Rosa. Rosa Dew. There was a long silence. Hello, said Rosa. Eventually, the policeman spoke again, but this time there was an edge to his voice. I think it's funny, wasting police time, do you? He said. He sounded annoyed. Rosa blinked. I don't understand, she said. That's my name, Rosa Dew. Of course it is, said the policeman. Do you know what mine is? Er, uh, said Rosa. I'm afraid not. It's Mickey Mouse, he said. There was a click, and then nothing. Rosa stared at the phone, then at the professor. He hung up, she said. The professor frowned, took the phone from her, and redialed. Someone having a bad day, he said, a little doubtfully, then spoke into the phone. Missing persons, he said. Yes, I've got a young lady here, name of Rosa Dew. I... He stared at the phone. They hung up, Rosa guessed. Quietly, he replaced the handset on the phone and nodded. How odd. It's my real name, said Rosa. I'm sure it is. It's the only thing I am sure of. Hmm, said the professor. Well, so much for the authorities. You really have no memories at all? Parents? Maybe the names of any friends? A school, perhaps? Rosa shook her head. Well, back to the blow on the head theory, said the professor. Any soreness? Notice any bruises lately? She shook her head again. I haven't even seen my reflection since. Her voice trailed away. Chapter 7 The professor's house had a hall full of mirrors though for some reason the professor thought it best for Rosa not to see her face for the first time in any of them. They were mostly covered with sheets anyway. Instead, Tamor led Rosa to the bathroom, while the professor went off to wash up the tea things. Do you want me to come in with you? asked the dog. I think I'd rather you waited outside if you don't mind, said Rosa. She wasn't sure what she was going to see, and if there was someone around, she'd have to be brave about it, and Rosa wasn't sure she had that much bravery left. She took a shower first, watching the dirty water running past her feet, getting gradually cleaner. Long hair brushed against her face as she dried herself, but she put her hand up and pulled it back before wrapping herself in a large, toweling bathrobe. Now, probably best to get the whole thing over in one go. Still, Rosa took a few deep breaths before pulling up the stool and wiping the steam off the bathroom mirror. Her hair was so black as to have a slight blue tinge, and very long, 
reaching down past her back, slightly past her elbows. Her face was a little rounder than she would have liked. Her eyes, she was disappointed to note, were a rather normal-looking dark brown. However, peering deeper, she noticed tiny flecks of green and cheered up a little. The nose was quite small, ears, just ears. Rosa looked carefully for signs of bruising around the temples, or a telltale scar that would indicate, what, an operation? A blow to the back of the head? But there was nothing. So, a normal face then. Prettyish, but not beautiful. Though there was room for a lot of changes yet. Rosa realised with surprising calmness, she didn't even know how old she was. Twelve? Thirteen, maybe? She hoped her nose would grow a little. Perhaps even some discernible cheekbones at some point. Rosa stepped down from the stool and unbolted the door. Tamor looked up. I know what I look like now, said Rosa, confidently, and I think I'm probably about fifteen. Tamor grunted. Thirteen, if you were a day, she said, and she might be. Rosa suddenly noticed something. Where are my clothes? In the nearest charity shop, if I had my way, said Tamor, but I thought you'd probably want them washed, unless you're planning on sleeping on more benches and then rolling around in gravel again. Not specifically, said Rosa, puzzled. Tamor nosed the back of clothing forward into the steamy bathroom. Nieces from the right side of the family, she said. They usually manage to leave something behind. Not sure you like them, though. None of the professor's family tends to dress like an heiress at a jumble sale. Never mind, said Rosa loftily. I'm sure she'll manage. Tamor looked at her and frowned. Come back to the kitchen when you're done, she said. We need to talk. Rosa barely made it into the kitchen before a small, leathery hand pushed her rudely to one side and unscrewed the lid of the scorpion jar. Gary apparently liked eating three scorpions at once and made sure to keep his mouth open so Rosa could hear just how much he was enjoying them. Rude, she said firmly, frowning at him. The professor had made another pot of tea and put out a large spread of buttered toast. After Rosa had taken her third slice, the plate's pattern had begun to emerge. It was very abstract, looking a little like a simplified picture of a flower. Although from another angle, thought Rosa, it looks a little bit like the head of an owl. Sorry, said Gary insincerely, and tried to stuff a fourth dried black thing in his already full mouth. Almost immediately, there was a sudden hacking cough, and to Rosa's disgust, a piece of half-chewed scorpion tail flew across the table and caught in her hair. Rosa sighed and reached for a roll of kitchen paper. Bad enough the winged monkey had made off with most of the previous night's food, she wasn't going to let him spoil her breakfast as well. The professor had made him apologise for taking her pasty, and they'd shaken hands. Rosa tried to be civil. After all, if the youth hadn't been distracted, she might never have got away. But Gary had barely muttered an apology, and grudgingly shaken Rosa's hand with his small, hairy paw, before returning to what appeared to be some sort of brightly coloured, beepy game on the mobile phone that hung on a cord around his neck. The professor frowned, and Rosa suddenly realised he was looking at her clothes. Are these all right? she asked, worried. Rosa picked out a pair of jeans and a baggy old T-shirt. It seemed to be the design on the T-shirt, which had caught the professor's attention. It was a cartoon picture of a lion. Shall I change it? she said. No, no, said the professor quickly. At the time, Rosa thought he looked very sad, although later she realised it was more as if he'd remembered something, which hurt to think about, but was a good memory nonetheless. Anyway, said the professor with a sudden heartiness, someone's looking for you. Have you ever heard of the Earl of Dorincourt? An earl's looking for me, thought Rosa. Her heart leaped. Is he my father? Am I rich? Am I a princess? said Tamor, 
a little sarcastically, and Rosa realised with embarrassment this is exactly what she'd been about to say. Anyway, an Earl's daughters wouldn't be princesses, would they? They'd be Earlettes? Earlesses? Earlinas? The professor handed Rosa a slightly tatty roll of paper, which she unfolded. They must have gone up all over town this morning, he said. I popped out to get the paper, checked for missing persons. Nothing in the papers, but on the way back, these are all over the place. The flyer, it wasn't quite big enough to count as a poster, was badly printed, with the text running at a slight angle to the edges of the paper. The words faded as if it had been copied many times. Lost girl answers to the name of Rosa Dew. Our lovely Rosa has a quirky fashion sense and a can-do attitude. She is much missed. Reward. Please contact Dorincourt. Earl. Below is a phone number and a crude drawing of Rosa, really more of a cartoon, although it perfectly depicted the clothes she'd been wearing when she woke up on the train. This one had been stuck up upside down, said the professor, which was odd. Quirky, said Rosa indignantly. The professor shrugged. Could have been worse, he said, because it said wacky. Or zany, said some more, innocently from behind her. Rosa spun round to glare at her, but the dog's large brown eyes met hers innocently. Anyway, said the professor, the important thing, or stupid, yes, thank you, Gary, the important thing is, clearly, someone is looking for you. Rosa looked at the poster again. Can I keep this? He nodded, of course. The Professor and Tamor knew a little about the Earl, it seemed, although they'd never met him. The Earl was a recluse, the Professor told her, and they'd become even more so after the death of his mother, which gave Rosa a little pang of sympathy. He was without a family too. He was very wealthy, inheriting the Dorincourt family fortune at an early age. Rosa tried not to look too interested at that part, but Tamor sneezed again, so possibly she hadn't quite managed it. The professor went on to talk about the long family line and their interesting history, and it was quite a while before Rosa was able to say, So I could be a niece? Or a great-niece? The professor shook his head. I don't think you're related. I spoke to his secretary. Sounds more like the Earl might be... your guardian? Rosa tried to contain her disappointment. Did he say anything else? He wasn't terribly forthcoming, to be honest. But he's on his way right now. I'll put on more tea. As the professor went off, Rosa stared down at her picture. She probably wasn't royalty then, but she could be anybody. She would be a famous child actress, kidnapped for a ransom, and bashed on the head as she tried to escape. Or a model, although I'm probably not tall enough for that. Or some kind of prodigy with a secret formula locked away in her head. Or, do you think I might be a pop star? she asked. Gary snorted and slouched out of the room, his wings, not quite accidentally, knocking a cup off a shelf near Rosa's head as he went. Rosa managed to catch the cup, carefully replacing it, as Tamor looked on with a nod. There's your can-do attitude, she said approvingly. Won't do. That's a problem with that monkey. Thinks the world owes him a favour. Tamor, said Rosa, annoyed. I said, do you think I might be a pop star? The dog sat on her haunches at Rosa's feet. Their eyes were almost level. Sing us a note, she said. Rosa took a deep breath. Ah! Uh... No, said Tamor.